All right, stay, just standing, standing for the scripture reading I'm going to read to you, okay? And then we'll sit down. Uh, I, I want to read to you two different sections of scripture that seem conceptually kind of far apart. Uh, and one, one, one is from Genesis 2, and the other one is from 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, this is God's word to us uh, for this evening. Uh, this is from Genesis 2, chapter, uh, or verse 18. Uh, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 18 through 26. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of the Lord. And you can be seated for sure. All right, all right, some of you might know this. Uh, maybe, hopefully you do if you get to know me just a little bit, is I'm an, I'm an amateur artist. I'm a, I'm a hobbyist. I, I like to do it, but I'm not a pro. I am not a pro. Uh, I, I like to make something, and sometimes it's usually graphic design, or it's something, the written word. And I, I like the, the idea, the crafting it, the planning it out, executing it, and uh, I, I enjoy it. Uh, but, but this is a, the thing is I just get tired of what I did. It, it, it can just take a couple weeks. And I, I don't like it. I'll look at it and I'll say, oh, that, 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 that's kind of pathetic. I, I would love a redo. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad I don't have to look at that anymore. Uh, I, I could have done it better. So, so in Genesis 1, I know I, I read out of Genesis 2, but in Genesis 1, uh, God speaks out of his mind the designs of his mind the designs of his thoughts. And he uses words, no raw materials. And what he does is uh, we get matter. And, and not just matter, but like we get varied, complex, gorgeous scenes, creatures, um, organisms that will just stun you. And you know this, is we're still discovering it all. Like we're, like we're, still, we're still mystified by it. Like we haven't even found them all. We haven't even cataloged them all. Um, we're still wondering about his creation. How does it work? We're still exploring, still understanding. All right, so, so in Genesis 1, um, uh, God, is, God says this over and over, that is so good. Um, so it, there's benedictions all throughout Genesis 1. A benediction is this, comes from the Latin, bene, meaning good, and diction, meaning words. And he says, good words. I have good words to say about what I just made. And Genesis 1 is all benedictions. It is good, whatever it is, right? 
uh, light, um, if it's, uh, yeah, whatever it is, it's all benediction, all good. All right, think of this. Um, parents, uh, let's say every, every bit of food you bring to your kid at the table, wouldn't it be great to say, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter, it's good. <laughs> and they're like picking at it. And they're like, I don't know if I want to try it. I don't know if I, and you're like, no, don't worry. It's all good. And we say that, right? You're like, it's good. Just try it. <laughs> I'm sure we sound like that with that nasally voice. Uh, but, but, but wouldn't it be great just to be like, no, that's good. Or let's up the ante a little bit. You go, you go to your boss and um, you finish your project and you roll in and um, the boss says, hey, I looked at your slides, some of your data, um, I'd like to change a few things. And you're like, no, it's good. It's all good, okay? Thank you for the feedback, but it's all good. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to have one of those last days at work? <laughs> all right, so after all of these benedictions, you get this sneaking feeling that all of Genesis 1 um, it is all about goodness and uh, you don't, you don't need a, a class in higher literary criticism, right? You don't need to go to seminary to understand like, oh, there's a theme here. Just by repetition in Genesis 1, it's all good. It's all good. The pleasure of God is with anything he makes. So either God is super cocky or he has everything to back up what he says when he says, you know what? It's all good. I don't think he's cocky, so I think he can back it up. Uh, okay, that's Genesis 1, all benediction, all good words. In Genesis 2, uh, there's this big, loud, ringing, annoying alarm that goes off, and it happens in the middle of Genesis 2. And it's annoying in its contrast of God is saying, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. And we get the first malediction in Genesis 2. Malediction, bad words, <laughs> right? We get the first malediction and, God, and it's from God and God says something is not good. And he's been saying, good, 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 good. And then he says, that's not good. And so... Uh, I don't know, when, when I read it, I, I, I pause and I say, okay, wait, 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 what? What? Here, this is what he says. Verse 18, I read it. The Lord God said, it's not good. It's not good that the man should be alone. It's not good that the man should be alone. Okay. All right, but why? Why? Like, why is that not good? All right, this is it. In every single creative instance, light, waters, um, uh, vegetation, creatures, God speaks his art projects into existence, right? But for man, he says something else. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. All right, there's gonna be a mark so deeply unique on humanity that is about the image and the reflection of God. Like man and woman, humanity is gonna reflect Godness somehow. We're gonna be like, oh, that reminds me of how my God is. 
All right, that's, that's, why, that's why you've heard me say many times, um, everybody is an image bearer of God. Um, so even if you don't believe in God, you're gonna, you're gonna reflect his godness just in your humanity. The, w- the way that you can think and, and rationalize, the way that you can feel and create beauty, even if you don't believe in him, you're gonna reflect the image of God. So we get to this malediction and the bad words are, it's not good for man to be alone. Okay, what is God saying? He's saying this, like, you can't, you can't, you cannot, you cannot bear forth my image fully unless you're relating in oneness with another image bearer. Like, you can't reflect me unless you're relating with somebody else. Okay, why is that? Because that's what the Trinity does. That's what God does. It says, let us, let us, like, let us, our image. Um, So aloneness does not reflect or show forth the image of God. Now, let me state this positively. Um, Relating to each other enjoys the pleasure of God. It's good. So I am more of an image bearer of God when I am not alone. You are more of an image bearer of God when you're not alone. Okay, number two. That idea is extended by Paul. And I've got to remind you, Paul was single for life. He had the bumper sticker on his mule, single for life. So we know this, it can't be here that we're talking about marriage. So don't hear this and they're like, oh, Pastor Tim said, I, I, you know, I need to be alone. I'm not gonna be an image bearer of God. No, no, no. Paul extends this idea. Um, it, it, and this shows we're not talking about marriage. Marriage is just a microcosm of that bigger idea. He broadens it to show this. Um, there, there, there is a complex interaction of very, very different image bearers. All right, because what? Uh, what's your impulse? What's my impulse? Um, if I'm a thumb, using the body picture of Paul, you know what my tendency and my impulse is? Well, I really want to go find all the other thumbs to hang out with because they, they understand how hard it is to be that opposable phalange. And like, I just want, they know thumb life. And I want to be around those that get thumb life because they just, we all get it together. We can be so empathetic and it's so awesome when you're around other thumbs. And our impulse is to say this is if I don't understand you or get you, I don't need you. I don't need you. And Paul says this, no part can say to another part, I don't need you. No part can say that. So this, what else do we do? We say, okay, I guess I need some other people. But then what we do is we will be around the people that have some sort of utility for us for our advancement. So if I'm not gonna hang around thumbs, then I'm gonna sure hang around all the fingers because they get me somewhere, right? Like we, we only honor other people if we can self-identify their usefulness. And Paul says, no, no, you actually need all the parts you don't think you need. 
You need all the parts you don't think you need. That's what Paul says. So Genesis says this, I am not fully an image bearer of God while I am alone and not relating to other image bearers. That's Genesis. And then Paul says this, I am not fully a part of the body unless I relate to the other parts of the body in mutual needfulness. That's two-way needfulness. Two-way needfulness. I am God's imagined design relating to other image bearers when this happens. Um, uh, when I am connected in mutual benefit, not singular benefit, where one part gets more than the others. Um, it's not just about getting what you need, it's also about what you give. Um, there's this idea of um, mutuality. Um, I offer myself to you, you offer yourself to me. That's, that's Paul's picture. Okay, I'm gonna give you some implications. And you already know these because you've heard them. The implications just from this simple, Genesis and Paul, right? We need everybody, mutual, okay. One from Genesis is aloneness is not good. Second implication, togetherness reflects the image of God in complex oneness when there is mutual sharing for the benefit of each other. Okay, aloneness is not good mutual benefit for each other is really good. Um, so I'm going to give you brief, brief applications. So we have the implications. I'm going to give you some applications, different kind of people sets, right? Member sets, body part sets here. Um, uh, so mar if you're married and you're into marriage and family right now, that's, like, that's your season. Um, you are involved in the benediction of God over all of creation. Okay. So don't think for a second, this is gonna be tough, especially maybe even for dudes. Um, don't think for a second that you have bigger accomplishments to achieve if God has given you a mate to walk through this life together. Okay? So now, we had to postpone our marriage series, so I'm giving it to you. Now, is the time to reintroduce yourself to your husband or your wife, and it may take a third party, like a counselor. Okay, quickly. Let's talk about your work. What you do, your creativity on a, on a weekly basis at your work, your productivity at your work, your vocation, your calling. Let's talk about that. Um, your work, what you do, cannot be bigger than the image bearers around you at work. All right, so putting your head down and viewing work as mere production, right? And not really caring about the people as long as they get there to do their job, I'll just do my job. It will kill you and it will kill your coworker. Don't think for a second you've been placed at random with a bunch of sufferable randos in your workplace. Um, you have image bearers around you at your workplace. And God has put you there for a reason. All right, if you're single, um, okay, if you're single, your personality test of extroversion or introversion um, is not a free pass or endorsement to shun community. If you're an extrovert, you will use God's community 
what? For your approval. If you're an introvert, you will shun God's community for your own selfishness, right? Either way. So if you're an introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. Um, if God has not yet given you a mate and you still desire it, Paul says it's a good desire not to, but if he's still giving you the desire and God hasn't given that to you yet, um, you cannot be aloof. You can't be aloof. You have to live in community. Introversion is not a life plan. Like it's not a strategy for personal health. Like uh, uh, going home, and even if you're an introvert, so going home and having uh, Netflix and books and a bottle of wine, like that's not a good long-term plan for emotional health and wholeness. It's just not. Well, how do I know that? It's because, oh, it's not good for you to be alone. Um, singles, do you wanna become wise? You, did you know that you can, if you live in community, you, beca- you can become wiser in relationships before God grants you the relationship that you want. Um, uh, most singles I know, I, I mean, I would see, see it in university work, even when I was single before, it's like, all I do is wanna hang with other singles. <laughs> I mean, that's where the pool is, right? <laughs> it's other thumbs. I just want to hang out with thumbs. Look, you can become wider and wiser, not, wide, not physically wider, emotionally wider, <laughs> living in community than being aloof. All right, your li- what, what applications for your literal neighbors, people you live around? All right, um, that means, this means this is, um, we have to learn from our neighbors who do not know Jesus. Which sounds odd. The generation before us in fundamental Christianity, do you know what they they taught us? Now, I will say this, is that they were better evangelistically than we were. We gotta admit that. We're actually more cowardly than the generation above us. But, so that's a good thing. The bad thing is this. um, Is that they thought this, we have the salvation, we have the knowledge, we have the right thoughts. And so they approach people and say, here, I just need to give it to you. I just need to give it to you. You need, you need to learn from me. I'm in this superior place where I know Jesus. And here, take it. Here, take it. I'll give. I'll, you just take it from me. You just trust me. You just listen to me. You believe it. You got to believe it. Say the sinner's prayer. Okay. That has had huge, horrible consequences right? It was incomplete with our literal neighbors. If they're image bearers of God, there is something that they have as an image bearer that I need to uncover and discover and learn from and celebrate and honor and respect. That's what I'd love to see from this generation below our parents' generation is to say, oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to be on a different plane, instead of superiority with my neighbor, I'm gonna say, I, there's something God has to give me from you that I do not have. Mutual, what? Mutual understanding and benefit. Um, for the community of the way. All right, you guys know this. Uh, well, I don't know, it, it, will this shock you? We're composed of really different races. And it's not even about skin stuff. We're, we're, we have a lot of people from different cultural backgrounds. Um, would you believe that we are politically different camps? Would you believe that? <laughs> like we're, we're from different tax brackets. 
Um, I mean, our, we, we look at the world differently. All, all of us do. Like my parenting style, like I, I, I'd be, I'll throw kids in the air, maybe even your kid. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't touch my kid. See, we have different parent, just parenting styles. It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, don't ever show that much affection to a kid. Or the other side. No, no, you can never show too much. See, we look at the world differently and the tendency is this, and come on, you guys know this, we've all done it. The tendency is this, is to talk to me or to talk to someone and say, hey, so-and-so is kind of crazy, right? Right, they're like, that's, that's kind of weird, right? It's kind of weird. And um, I feel this, you feel this. Um, what is gonna protect a community of belief for, from becoming just as fractured from the broader culture around us? Do you feel it? Like, like there are going to be lines drawn increasingly more and more just based on how you, your political jam. I'm going to tell you this. It's going to be from honoring those that uh, get dismissed. It's going to heal. Um, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, Recently, I, I was talking to a lady and she went out of her way to show honor upon honor and generosity and kindness and creativity. She made it a very, very big deal to honor someone that is not honored anywhere else in life. And I told her, I said, did you know that you're healing division when you do that? How is that healing division? Because I know that if she does that to a person who is totally dismissed by, let's just say almost everybody, then I know this, I know that you will treat me without any thought to those variables of race, culture, political leanings, parenting style, tax bracket, whatever it is. Um, my siblings, uh, uh, they, have, they have left the church for the most part. And uh, I, I had a sibling say to me, um, you know, the church has the weirdest people. Um, creepy kind of hangups. Needy people, clingy people, like, have they forgotten how to act around other people in social situations. They're awkward. They wear their brokenness too openly, like too much information. Oh, don't share that with me. I don't want, don't share that with me. Um, here's the subtext. Uh, a group of church people are, are just not the cool people I need to be around. Because look, that's the subtext. I was thinking about all the churches I've been in. <laughs> and they're, <laughs> they're kind of right in this sense. 
I've never had a church community that I imagined I wanted to be in. <laughs> what, is, what does that say about me? Why, you arrogant little snob. Um, I just, I, I have imagined church as all thumbs just like me. But they're also wrong, and I am more convinced of it at my age than ever before. Because it is Jesus's imagined body. Very, very different parts. Uh, I know a guy who's one of the best evangelists, and he's super quiet. And um, he's brought people to um, church all over the spectrum of humanity. And I, I talked to him once, and I said, I, I, like, what, what, what is going on? Uh, and he said, well, I said, why do you ask them to come? And he goes, well, I'd only ask them to come if I knew they would be loved and treated well. And that was, and the coming to church part, churchy part, that was the tail end of his evangelism. He, had all, he already lives a life where he, they're in his house all the time. They're always going to do stuff together. All this broad spectrum of eclectic humanity. All right. Aloneness is not good. Aloneness has gotten not too. Togetherness reflects the image of God in that complex mutual sharing, mutual benefit. Uh, the goal is not the pursuit of diversification. That's for university admission offices. <laughs> The goal is relating with honor and care and compassion and loving the diversity that is already true in Jesus's church. It, it may be that you're desiring your, like your own brand, an imagination of Jesus's church, and it's not God's. It's, it's not Christ's body or Christ's people or Christ's image barriers, healing division. I have a final thought but I want us to sing a song before we approach the table together, okay? Let me pray for us. Jesus, uh, uh, take your words, uh, the words of aloneness being not good and togetherness with mutual benefit for each other. Would you make our hearts desire this? more than anything else. In Jesus' name, amen.